This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Some people make things happen. Some watch while things happen. And some wonder, what happened? And as long as you stay focused on the task... I think I think the chances of doing okay are are high. The only problem is when you start kind of fast forwarding and considering different scenarios. So I did some numbers in my head. I'm like, you see, I'm kind of the rational guy. I'm like, well, there's three options. Option A, some northbound hikers come from Tillotson camp, in which case they'll find me and they have to find me because right, I'm right on the trail. <laughs> They'll find me at 10 a.m., more or less. Maybe 9, maybe 11. Okay. Uh, plan B, there's nobody hiking northbound that day, but there's somebody hiking southbound. Well, in that case, it'll be the afternoon. Right? Now, the problem is when you start thinking of, of, about the next step, and the next step or the next stage is, now, what if those folks have no cell phone? I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. 
Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's content. Our guest this week reached out to me all the way from Spain to let me know that he really enjoys the pod. And along the way, he let it slip, but he's done some pretty incredible things in the outdoors. I always love talking to our listener, listeners, so here we are. Welcome to the John Freaking Mir Pod, Alfonso. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised when you reached out, and you were very complimentary, and that, that's always a plus with me. So uh, I, nice. I said... You know what? We when you let it slip that you you've done some stuff in the outdoors. It's uh, it's always good to have you on. So this is this great. is great. Great. Well, you know you know how it is nowadays. Like we we enjoy so much uh, digital content, like you know YouTube, podcasts, whatever. And at some point, I thought, well, I might as well give some feedback or write and say, hey, you know, I'm actually enjoying the stuff that you publish. So so that was the that was the thought behind it. Okay. And you are in mm-hmm. Spain right now. We are recording. It's about uh, 8.15 here on the West Coast, 8.15 a.m. Uh, what, what, what time is it there? And what, what, where exactly in Spain are you? Okay. So this is, uh, it's uh, five, uh, quarter past five p.m. And I'm pretty much uh, downtown Madrid, which is the, the capital city. Okay. And how are things going in Madrid these days? Um, they're good. They're good. It's a bit of a strange moment because uh, we enjoyed a, a really kind of bustling, exciting period in the fall with, um, you know, fewer restrictions to just like life in general. But then with the Omicron um, variant of uh, COVID, um, it's like we're going back in time again, like everywhere else, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Back to work, I guess, after the Christmas break, sunny days, chilly. It's, it's nice. Yeah, as we're recording this, we're, we're in the middle of the Omicron surge here in Southern California. Right. I think we're averaging you know, 35, uh, 40,000 cases per, per day in LA County. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Alfonso, in all your time on the trail, have you picked up a trail name? Um, I did. During my uh, section hike of the AT, and uh, I guess I haven't really, it hasn't really been used after that. This was like 20 years ago, but my trail name was Trout, like the fish. Oh, Trout. Not, I love it. Uh, yeah, not the most glamorous, but at least I guess it's not one of the ones that gets repeated all the time. So Trout, that's got some character to it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think so. And, and, it, and it has a decent story, I think. Well, let's hear the story. Okay. So this was day. So basically I, um, I section, I mean, my context was, I was, I was living in Canada, Montreal, right? Um, I was finishing my study year. This was a while ago, year 2000. That was the year I graduated. So uh, for different reasons, I ended up um, taking the bus to White River Junction. And then anyway, starting the hike from, um, Hanover, New Hampshire. So I just started hiking, see where the trail would take me. I ended up section hiking all of New Hampshire and pretty much 50% of the main uh, section of the AT, which a lot of people say is A, the most beautiful and B, the toughest, the, the, the most rugged section. Um, so this was, I think, uh, uh, night... Night number two, I slept on uh, Smarts. I think it's called Smarts Mountain. 
in some sort of a cabin. Um, and, uh, and the following day, I started hiking. And basically, believe it or not, I got lost. I don't think anybody gets lost on the AT any longer, or they haven't for the last uh, 10 years. But I guess back then, it did happen. Maybe the blazing was not as prominent as it is now. I don't know what it was. And uh, as uh, some of your guests have mentioned in the past, I also have a problem turning around. So I kind of kept going thinking, you know, whatever, I have the map, I'll make it to the bottom of the mountain. But it was the wrong side of the mountain. I have one of these uh, maps that uh, obviously focus on the trail. And there was this place called Trout Pond, right? So I figured, you know, if I can kind of uh, hike to this place called Trout Pond, then I can uh, make my way back to the trail at this other spot, whatever. So I kept walking and walking. I had food, I had water, everything was okay. Um, I was walking on some sort of a dirt road, like a logging road. Um, and then suddenly I see a, a pickup truck carrying a bunch of hikers and uh, it pulls over and, um, you know, driver rolls down the window and I ask, hey, is this the way to Trout Pond? I was like, dude, just get on, get on the truck, okay? The story was that the, the, the folks who were on the truck who ended up becoming my trail family, they had gotten lost same place the night before or the, the morning before, the day before. And uh, this family that had like a really large property basically put them up for the night, fed them, whatever. It was like fantastic uh, the way they treated them. And now they were driving them back to the trail. So when I hopped on the, the truck and we started a conversation, whatever, and uh, one of these guys, I think it was uh, Snacks was his trail name. He said, so you don't have a trail name? Maybe it should be Trout. You know, you were looking for Trout Pond, whatever, whatever. I'm like, fine. You know, now I have a trail name. So that was the, um, that's the story. And then that's it. They um, drove us back to the trail. And as usually happens, started hiking together, say, said goodbye. But it would be the kind of thing where we'd end up bumping into each other Right. Every, you know, you know how it is. And then yep. at some point we just decided, hey, let's just walk together. So well, Trout, if you just gotten lost maybe 12 hours earlier, you could have could have had a hot meal and a good night's sleep. I know, I know. You I know. missed out on that. I missed out on that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it was still pretty good the way it turned out. So nice. Okay. Um, well, for the remainder of this episode, you are no longer Alfonso, you are trout. You're back on the trail and we're talking about hiking. So you are okay. trout from this point. Sound, sounds good. Okay. Now you said you, you've listened to the pod. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. do, you, do you have any favorite episodes or favorite guests? Wow. Um, that's hard because uh, I have a lot of favorites and um, I don't want to forget anybody, although I am going to. I really enjoyed, uh, let's see, Diana Zabaldo, um, mm-hmm. the guy the, in, the, in the Himalayas. It's, it's like a, a dream of mine to make it out there. Yeah, she was pretty impressive. She was, absolutely. I enjoy uh, Chattahoochee. I think he's been <laughs> there a couple of times. Makes me laugh for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, like uh, of course, the ones... Uh, there was a couple of guests that I knew from uh, either YouTube or other podcasts like uh, Jupiter or um, Rocket, Julie Sheehan. Mm-hmm. I really love her video on the AT. I've actually watched it with my son and she's very... She's super inspiring, I find. Yes. Um, 
But one thing um, I thought was I really enjoy it when I'm surprised by a given episode. For example, there was that uh, the guy in Florida who did that competition that it was like some people were paddling, some people were sailing. Brian Sheridan, yeah. I was not expecting that. So I was like, you know, I, I went for a long run and I was listening to it. And, mm, this is interesting. Not something I would do, but I'm really into this episode, you know? So that's one thing I like about the pod when, when it's just different people coming from different places. And uh, it's not just about one thing. There is obviously a focus on long distance hiking, but it's a bit of everything, which I really enjoy. Yeah. The adventure tree outside adventure tree has many branches. And mm-hmm. uh, it's okay to, to take a little side trip down one of those branches every once in a while. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're familiar Absolutely. with the podcast. You know that towards the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you and ask you for your pro tip inside of the week, where you're going to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So, okay. okay. I know, I know you're ready for that. Don't, don't, don't let it go. Too soon. <laughs> okay. I have a couple, I have a couple of options. Let's see uh, okay. where this takes us. All right. Absolutely. Hey, another feature we've been doing, as you know, is the must bring gear review sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Outdoor Vitals. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you'd insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Trout, what is your must bring piece of gear? Okay. Well, this one's a little bit hard for me because I'm the... Oh, the last, I don't know, what, 10, 15 years, I focused more on uh, shorter endeavors like trail running, ski mountaineering, stuff like that. But one thing I have uh, been using lately, which I want to try um, in hiking and long distance hiking, is actually arm sleeves. Arm sleeves are, you know, basically they, you can use them with a t-shirt and they'll make a short sleeve They'll just add a sleeve to your T-shirt. And and Trout, for our listeners out there who may not be watching on YouTube, he's actually demonstrating this for us. He, yeah, he, I, he I whipped am. out a whipped out a sleeve, and he's now I putting it on. <laughs> <laughs> I am demoing it. Yes, and uh, but the interesting thing about this is that it uh, it saves a lot of time because let's say you're obviously trail running or cycling, which is where it's uh, most widely used. But even just backpacking, let's say you feel a little bit chilly. You put it on and then it's as easy as pulling it, pulling it out and tucking it in your side pocket. So it's like you can be adjusting to different temperatures, comfort and so on. And, and, and just like walking and walking and walking. Right. Anyways, it's not a sort of a make or break deal, but I thought it's something that I don't think has been mentioned. That nice. be, so they're like tear away, <laughs> they're like tear away sleeves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If you've ever watched any NBA games during the warmups, they've got those tearaway pants. It is boom, gone. They're they do, in, they now do. they're in shorts. These are like tearaway <laughs> sleeves. That's, yeah, they do. You can have the same kind of drama out there on the trail. Just boom, gone. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's uh, and the other thing is, uh, I mean, I, I do want to mention it because I wish I had it in a given moment in the past. Um, some sort of entertainment system, just in case you're going solo, you're alone. You hit a campsite or a shelter too early and you don't know what to do. It happened to me once, I guess uh, we'll get to that later, that I got to a shelter too early and I should have stayed at the shelter, but whatever. The book I was carrying with me was not appealing enough. So anyways, after that, what I'm, I, I now always carry my e-reader. 
basically in Amazon Kindle where mm -hmm. I can, I have a selection of like 50 books, you know, thrillers, um, Pacific uh, Crest Trail books, uh, whatever. Okay. So I always right. have something uh, read to read and it's relatively lightweight. So, so that's another thing I would recommend. If you're, if you're into reading, of course. Absolutely. You said entertainment yeah. system. I thought maybe you're, you're talking about <laughs> an Xbox or something. Yeah, well, because I know some people are more into the sort of uh, series and, but, you know, we watch enough of those at home. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe for some people it's gaming. I don't know. But if you're yeah. going solo and if there's not a lot of people on the trail, then, um, yeah, it might be an option. Yeah, my entertainment system is I sing to myself and I realize that I don't know the, the, the words to an entire song. Except for, except for happy birthday and singing that over and over again, that, that just doesn't, you know, it's not, not that entertaining. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, Trout, we've, we've got another feature here. I'm not sure if, if it's, uh, if you're familiar with this, it's the hiking mm -hmm. pole. Right. Yeah. And it's P O L L not P O L E little cute turn of phrase there. <laughs> Chopper loves when I explain this. Uh, the, 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 the wording of hiking pole and then the reaction from the guest is typically, you know, no reaction whatsoever. He gets a, a big laugh out of that, that I'm, I'm really excited right, about right, my, my clever right. turn of phrase here and, <laughs> and nobody else is. So, right. I hear you. I do, I do that for him to explain that every time. So, and mm -hmm. uh, what, what the hiking pole is, I've, I've got uh, six questions for you that mm -hmm. I'm going to see which side of each of these questions you fall on. So I can give you a rating on the crazy scale. Okay. Crazy scales from one to a hundred, hundred <laughs> being uh, uh, completely sane and uh, one would be your absolute bonkers. So here we okay. go. Okay. Let's see. Trekking poles is the first uh, question. Do you use okay. trekking poles or not? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan. Okay. In fact, I, I just bought a new pair after, I don't know how many years using the older ones and they're the, um, the foldable, the foldable ones. So like a uh, set length, they're not adjustable, but they're foldable. So you can, they're super lightweight. They're, um, Black Diamond, they're American, but I forget the name. Uh, Distance Z or something. Uh, aluminum, they're great. Okay, so they're foldable. Yeah. They're not telescopic. They, they Exactly. Right. Yeah, because I wanted something that would be super packable. And, and you know what? I've been, the other ones that I use, the telescopic, they, something went wrong with them. So they were at the same length all the time anyhow. So I'm really used to that. It's not a big deal. Okay. Okay. And uh, so, so yeah, for sure, for sure, they're, they're great for uphill. They save your knees on the downhill, river crossings. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, great. Hiking, hiking poles. <laughs> okay, boots or trail runners? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I would say it depends on the terrain. So let's say if, if I'm gonna do like for peak bagging, which is one of the things I do most, I would go for boots for, you know, scree slopes. And I don't like the very sturdy, hard boots. I like the softer ones, but still I prefer the boots. Um, also, I did my, my long distance hiking a while ago and very few people um, use trail runners back then. Having said that, I love trail runners because I'm a trail runner and I'm, Running shoes is one of the few things that I love really reading reviews and trying different models and stuff like that. So, so I think whenever I go back to long distance hiking, backpacking, basically, it'll be with trail runners. Okay. It's a pretty sane yeah. answer. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tent, tarp, or hammock? Uh, tent. Tent. Hammock is, I don't think, is an option here in Spain. Well, it depends where you are. Um, tarp, I wouldn't mind trying it out because most of the places where I've camped or I will be camping, there's not much of a bug issue. But I like tents. It's, it's nice to just go in and relax and read. Because mm -hmm. like, like other people have said in other episodes, well, you know, um, you might as well cowboy camp, which is another thing that I don't mind doing. And here the weather tends to be kind of dry. Or you know when it's going to rain. It doesn't just start raining in the middle of the night normally. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say, I would say tent. Now, are there a lot of trails in Spain? Absolutely. Yeah. It's 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 um it's I mean I wanna I wanna sell, sell hiking in my country a little bit, but it, it is it is a bit of a hiker's paradise for its size, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. it's not it's not as large as uh, America or I don't know maybe other countries, but for the size, uh, yeah, there's a lot of mountains, uh, different climates, different ecosystems, different types of trails. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and what is the, the permitting process? Do you need a, to secure a permit to do some, some multi-day hiking out there or is it just uh, free for all? Yeah. You don't need a permit. You don't okay. need a permit. I think the biggest challenge will be finding parking at the trailhead for some routes, but uh, no, no permits. Now, I think the situation though, is that in most uh, uh, mountain massifs, especially, especially national parks, but not only, um, camping is technically not allowed. I say technically not allowed because there's this other thing that uh, the, the French and us, I say the French because a lot of my hiking has taken place in the Pyrenees, mm -hmm. which is a mountain range that separates Spain and France. Right. So camping as in, you know, I pitch my tent and I hang out and I build a fire and I'm there is not allowed, but pitching your tent for the night, you know, um, dusk to dawn uh, and uh, a certain distance from the trailhead or from a road a certain altitude that's usually tolerated actually okay. not even tolerated it's allowed okay, okay. so it's, it's something you can do and a lot of people do so okay now obviously the the camino uh exists mm -hmm. in in spain are there any other long wilderness trails in spain yeah absolutely there's uh there's a lot um in europe we have um the gr system of mm -hmm. trails that i think uh, some of your a couple of your guests have mentioned, or I remember hearing about them. So uh, there's a bunch of them in France, in Italy, in all over the place. Um, and uh, there's quite a few in Spain. In the Pyrenees, there's basically, let's see, the major ones are the GR11. Mm -hmm. GR stands for, uh, I think it's French, uh, Grand Randonnée, like great uh, hiking. Long, it's basically long distance hiking. Oh, okay. Uh, blazes are always red and white. Uh, so Spanish side, you have the GR11, which I basically hiked 80% uh, of it, I would 
think. And on the French side, you have the GR10. And how long okay. is the GR11? Okay, I have it written down here somewhere. Um, I think it's around maybe four or 500 miles. Okay. Uh, something, I have it, uh, I actually published, uh, I have, a, I have a blog where I publish different things related to travel and mountains. And I did, I did publish a post about uh, hiking in the Pyrenees. And uh, let me just very quickly open it so I can give you the numbers because it's there. The, um, that's right. The, they're all uh, depending on the alternates that you choose or how you combine the trails. It's anything from 528 to 600 miles. Okay. That's, that, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because there's a lot of trails. So you can pretty much uh, cherry pick uh, what you do or if you want to bag a specific summit or um, let's say if you want to hike a section on the Spanish side, a section on the French side, you know, you can do things like that. Okay. I can't wait to that's hear more it. about this in our, in our discussion sure. coming up here, especially about sure. the Pyrenees. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right, back to the poll. Sleeping mm -hmm. bag or quilt? A sleeping bag. Okay. Quilts are hard to come across here in, in Europe. I think a lot of the of these cottage companies that you have over there in, in America, they don't, it's not easy to get them here. Um, again, it's something that I wouldn't mind trying, but I think realistically, um, I'm gonna stick to the to the sleeping bag. Okay. Uh, stove, cold soak, or stoveless? Mm, I'm I'm a stove guy. Okay, these I, are all these are all very yeah, reasonable, no, no, sane, no. sane answers. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's what happens with age and being a father and all these things, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, now the American long trails they run north mm -hmm. to south, and so the last question is: uh, Should the long trails like the AT, PCT, CDT, should they be hiked southbound or northbound? Wow, it's a really good question. <laughs> um, hmm. I think there's something appealing about hiking northbound in the Northern Hemisphere. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, one of the most iconic drives you can do here in Europe is, is, is hiking to the North Cape. And I, I think it's Norway. So there's something about going north. That's interesting. That, do you, do you, uh, you think people in the Southern Hemisphere have the opposite take? You think uh, if I ask, ask this question of a Kiwi, it might it might be a, a, the South, the Southerly direction? You know what? I, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I know, for example, in uh, South America, in many ways, the most for, for outdoor oriented people, the most exciting place is Patagonia mm -hmm. and Tierra del Fuego, Southern Chile. So 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 I think I think there's something. I don't think I can, I can provide many arguments to back it up. It's just like a feeling I have. Um, having said that, I like it when I listen to, I say listen because it could be basically on a, on a podcast. I'm not a huge uh, YouTube fan, but when uh, people talk about their experiences hiking southbound, mm -hmm. I kind of like the idea and because uh, I think most people end up hiking northbound, but yeah. So I'm sorry, I got confused there. What, what, what is your preferred? What is your preferred uh, direction, northbound or southbound? I'll say northbound. Okay. I'll say, no, I'll say northbound, but I'm not. It's 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 a close call. Okay. Now with those answers, you score you score close to a ninety there. 
you, you're probably the sanest person we've talked to. <laughs> okay, okay. Congratulations. I don't know if that's, yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up mm-hmm. a little bit. Let's, uh, let's talk about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of activities you were involved in in, say, high school, and how you mm-hmm. got involved in through hiking and backpacking. Okay, great. Um, <clears throat> I grew up in, um, I was going to say a small town, but it's a bit of a weird thing because the small town was actually built after I was kind of living in the area and this uh, bit of an isolated housing development, um, isolated by European standards, not American standards. Um, so I guess I was always, you know, kind of free to like, bike around and I could see the mountains though we have a local mountain range is this in Spain yes in Madrid actually I grew up uh 20 25 kilometers north of uh um downtown Madrid between the city and the mountains Trow, your English is amazing okay so the story <laughs> yeah the interesting thing was that the place where my parents bought the house um Strangely enough, in the same area, there was an international school. Okay. And my mother was an English teacher, right? And a big Anglophile, like for her, you know, like she loved the the UK. We spent a couple of summers over there. So my brother and I ended up joining this um, basically British school with uh, 80% of classes taught in English and uh, a pretty international mix. And that was... And that was, uh, that, that, that explain, explains most of it. And then um, I ended up uh, start finishing my degree in Canada and uh, spending a lot of time there. So, so yeah. Okay. And were there any, uh, any athletics or other types of activities at the international school you went to? Uh, yeah, we did a lot of, well, a lot. We did some uh, cross-country running. I was okay at that, mm-hmm. running in general. Other than that, it was pretty conventional, you know, like soccer, football, as we call it here in Europe, but right. soccer, which is what all the Spanish kids play. And uh, yeah, that was it at school. That was it at school. And outside of school, I don't know, I, I, I was really into cycling and uh, um, mountain bike when they arrived. That was very exciting, mm-hmm. you know, because then we could all, all go on all these trails that we had around us. And then, um, and then I got into rock climbing for a couple of years, which was, uh, which was great. So, so yeah, I was always kind of, um, into the outdoors. Yeah. Did your parents, did your parents take you camping? Not camping. My parents were more of, um, just driving around the country, cultural culture culture sites i don't know like old churches castles Mm -hmm. have a good have a good meal maybe go for a walk we would go to mountains but not as in uh, you know let's climb a mountain or let's camp actually when i got the hiking bug it was me who took them hiking you know Uh uh-huh you know let's walk up to this mountain hut or let's uh discover this valley or whatever so so yeah Right. And does your brother, did your brother uh, pick up the same passion for, for hiking? Um, not really, but, but I am proud to say that um, this guy, when he was 15 years old, he actually did the Camino de Santiago, the, the main one, the Camino Frances. He did it with a bunch of friends on mountain bikes. 
Oh, okay. And the guy was 15, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. So that's a big uh, trip. Yeah. That is a big trip, but I, <laughs> I don't think, he, I don't think he has done a lot of outdoor oriented stuff after that. So, um, yeah. Okay. And I think you mentioned, uh, you, you have a son or children. Yeah. Two kids, um, a daughter age 14 mm-hmm. and my son who's, um, 11. Okay. And are you passing off, passing on to them these, this love of the outdoors? That is the plan. <laughs> that is the plan. Yeah, we started, um, they've always been involved with uh, the outdoors, more more so with their mom. They were, they joined a mountain club for kids a few years ago. And, uh, and actually last summer, oh, they love camping. That's one thing that we do every summer. But actually last, last summer, we got into uh, peak bagging. Like we went to this region in the north of the country where there was different summits that we could climb not too hard but quite demanding and they really liked it so and my plan this summer is actually to do some uh i don't know overnight or maybe two three day backpacking with them nice. let's see let's see how it goes right do they, do they call you trout um <laughs> no 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 i was gonna say no and i hope they don't call me trout after listening to this episode <laughs> we'll see we'll okay. see okay have they picked up trail names have you, have you bestowed a trail name upon them? It's, um, you know how hiking, hiking is really a cultural thing. So we do it differently in different places. Yes. And we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have trail names in, uh, in Europe. That's so what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah, exactly. Which is too bad. It's kind of, um, I like it. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Now, now Trout, what do you, what do you do to pay the bills and uh, finance your adventures? Well, for, Quite a few years now, I have worked as a teacher trainer um, at university. So in an education department, um, I'm kind of responsible for training our students to become good English teachers. Elementary, there's a lot of, um, you know, it's, it, it's important in um, European schools, especially Spanish schools, there's a lot of hours of English nowadays in, in elementary school secondary school too. Um, So it's kind of part of the curriculum of um, teachers. Mm -hmm. And those of those who specialize in language education, well, there's a bunch of courses for them. And, and I'm an instructor, and I'm also like the coordinator of a a program. Okay, so the apple didn't fall, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree. Mom was in education. Yeah, you're you're training teachers. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I thought about that. Um, and it's not something that I set out to do. Like when I graduated, I wanted to become a writer and a translator and basically that kind of thing. But I guess when you've seen teachers around you all the time, and for me, it's just like teaching is natural. I did it when I would help my friends with their English when I was in high school. And it's just like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's fun too. You learn and, you know, you meet a lot of people. Yeah. I think also you, yeah, go ahead. Trout, you and I are, are kindred spirits because I know, uh, I know. you're describing a very similar, a very similar story where mm-hmm. I graduated high, uh, high school. I graduated college and didn't anticipate <laughs> becoming a teacher. And I was going to write the great American novel. And maybe that's still, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, right. went into teaching. Um, I've, I've, Taught, taught high school. I've been an administrator at a high school. I've, I've right. taught college classes and, and prepared 
future teachers for their uh, their careers and so okay. a lot of a lot of resonance but with the story you're talking right now you're, you're oh. sharing right now yeah i didn't know the, the the whole part of it but that's great yes yeah. absolutely yeah. Awesome. all right it's a great field to be in <clears throat> i think so i think so and uh for me, I've learned a lot from it. I used to be very introverted and um, I don't know. It's like uh, being kind of in a position where you're meeting new people all the time and you have to, I don't know, it's just changed me as a person. And I think it's great. Yeah. 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 Okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about some of your adventures out there, uh, both in America and uh, and overseas. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. The John Freakin' Mearpod is sponsored by Outdoor Vitals, the ultralight backpacking gear company whose mission is to improve the mental, physical, and emotional health of mankind by facilitating impactful outdoor experiences. Outdoor Vitals creates innovative technical products with confidence inspiring education that empower outdoor ultralight adventurers. Their focus on performance enables you to live ultralight with gear you can actually be confident with. Whether you're looking for an ultralight sleep system, shelter, or pack, or if you're looking for top quality apparel for the trail, you can find it at Outdoor Vitals. Do yourself a favor. Live ultra light. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod- podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Trout, who is uh, talking to us from Spain this morning. Actually, it's it's early evening for you. It's, uh, it's morning for me. And... We're going to talk about some of your your hiking adventures out there. And what I want to point out to our listeners is that uh, as we were preparing for this episode, he was sharing his experiences with me and we're communicating back and forth. Uh, The number 23 kept coming up 
You, know, you, did 20, you did 23 days on this trail. You did 23 days on this trail. You did 23 days on this trail. And that really kind of struck me kind of funny that, you know, was that intentional that, that you spent this specific amount of time, 23? Does the number 23 have any special significance in your life? Um, no, other than being like uh, Michael Jordan's number, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything special about it. It was, it was, it just uh, turned out that way for different reasons. But no, unplanned. Okay. Well, the, the title of this episode might be 23 and Me with Trout. Yeah, sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds pretty good. I don't mind it at all. Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about is your 23 days, 23 days on the Appalachian Trail back in 2000. And before we get there, though, when did you, when and how did you learn about the Appalachian Trail? Okay. Um Obviously, this was a while ago, so I don't, I'm not sure I remember all the specifics. But I do remember that uh, it was my last summer. I was living in Montreal in Canada. I had graduated college in university in um, June, I think it was. And uh, I was looking forward to that summer, you know, spending time there. I had a part-time job doing translation work. Um, actually for my dad back in Spain. So it was, it was great. It was super flexible. So I was basically looking forward to spending time with my friends. Now, as things happened, most of my friends actually left town for different reasons, you know, job here, job there, go back to see family. So I was kind of stuck ugh, without much to do. And I started <clears throat> basically, I was going to say Googling, but I don't even think we used Google back then. <laughs> there were other search engines. And I, I ended up just looking for outdoors oriented plans or, or, or just travel plans not too far away that I could access by public transport. You probably used Alta Vista or, or Ask Jeeves it. or something, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Alta Vista, I remember that one, you know, <laughs> the prehistory of um, internet age. Absolutely. Yeah, trout, trout, we're dating ourselves now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So somehow I just, I don't know exactly. That's how I found out about the AT. And I actually found that I could take a bus to, to a place that I knew, um, White River Junction and, and hike to Hanover in uh, New Hampshire, which, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, is, is a huge uh, trail town because the trail goes right through the town and it's, it's a fantastic place to take a zero or just, you know, have a meal resupply. Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided to do. And I had, I had um, hiking gear because I had um, my, um, I was kind of, a, you know, like, like I said before, I was into the outdoors and mountains. So I did have a backpack, a sleeping bag, a mat. And um, I basically knew that you could, there were these things called shelters. <clears throat> So I didn't even need a tent. So my plan was basically to sleep in the shelters. And that was and how, how did it work out? Uh, it worked out really well, actually, because I did sleep in many shelters. But then when um, I started hiking with my trail family, um, with, with these group of great people, then uh, I ended up having a tent for myself because one of them... Um, um, Boo Boo from uh, New York. She had a one person tent, but I guess she was kind of a small girl. So she ended up sharing the other tent with uh, the other two. So it was very convenient because then 
we could pretty much uh, stop whenever we wanted and pitch the tents and yeah, it worked well, worked well. Now, when you, you got into Hanover, did you, were you thinking I have a set amount of time that I want to hike or I have a set distance I want to hike? Am I, am I hiking the entire AT? Am I, is this the start of mm. maybe an aspiration to section hike the AT over a number of years? What was your, what was your thought process there? Mm, that's interesting. Um, I guess I knew that the trail I was going to say was coming from, but the, 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 the trail ran from uh, Georgia to Maine for some reason. Yes. It felt like this is incredibly long, but for some reason it wasn't as striking because I guess I knew about the Camino in Spain, mm -hmm. which is not comparable in length, but it's kind of the same idea. So it's, it's long. Right. Right. Um, but uh I had like a month basically to hike because then I had to empty my apartment in Montreal and I'm pretty much returned to Spain. So I was just looking to spend some time in the outdoors, basically. Okay. And so you headed north from yeah. Hanover. Yeah, because I saw on the map that there were these mountains, the, the white mountains. Mm -hmm. And I'm a mountain person. So I thought, you know, let's go north. Let's uh, Let's see. Let's see how far... This gets us. And was this your first backpacking experience? Mm. Let me see. I think I had done uh, some overnight hikes uh, back in Spain, combining it with climbing or, but yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And uh, I was not especially well prepared in terms of gear, in terms of different things. So it was tough. Okay. Very tough at the beginning. And so in those 23 days on the AT in 2000 from Hanover to Stratton, Maine, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. how many, how many miles was that? Um, Roughly or yeah, kilometers. I've done some numbers and uh, it added up to around 231 miles. Okay. All right. That, that's, that's, that's and, a similar uh, stretch to the John Muir trail in the, in ah, the Sierras. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very close. And that's, uh, you know, that's pretty impressive to have, you know, not, not that much hiking experience, not that much uh, multi-day hiking experience and uh, having that 200 plus mile hike is your, your first experience into that. So great job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like I said, it was very tough at the beginning because like, uh, like a lot of newbies, I was carrying too much weight, you know, and there's actually a moment that I really, I kind of call it trail magic. Um, I had a lot of fortuitous, what's the word? I, I just met a lot of people that helped me a lot in those first two days. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, day one, started hiking from Hanover. It was really, really hot. Now, I had read that you, you can't just drink the water from the streams, right? As everybody knows in, <laughs> in America. Is that, um, is that your pro tip, Trout? Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it's not a bad one, um, but uh, you know what? For some reason, I don't know what my frame of mind was, but I was assuming that I could boil my water. So, um, you know, after I don't know how many kilometers in the heat, sweating like there's no tomorrow, I'm like, I ran out of the water that I had from town. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to fix myself a cup of tea. And here I am drinking like steaming hot tea, and I don't know how many degrees Fahrenheit, but it was really hot. I'm like, no, 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 this can't be right. This can't be right. Now that evening I was at the shelter 
And I, um, I bumped into these two uh, French Canadian girls, switched to French, started talking. And I told them my story about boiling the water. And they're like, you know what? Uh, we're getting off the trail tomorrow. Take our, um, our tablets, our iodine tablets, whatever we used back then. Mm-hmm. And that saved me because for obvious reasons, right? Um, so that was one. The following how, day. How did, how, yeah. did that, how did that taste? Um, well, I think back then what we did, it was pretty standard. Some people carried filters, but the filters, the filters were large. I don't know if you remember those. There were not, I'm kind of doing it now with my hands, but the, they were large <laughs> filters. They were not like the, like the Sawyer mini, whatever that we have right. now. They're, they were, and I guess they were pricey. So the, well, the, the, there were two sets of tablets. There was one for, the, for treating the water and one for removing the taste. Okay. Right. All right. Exactly. And then, so you threw it into your container, your bottle, and then you had to wait for 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then the water was good for drinking. Okay. Cause I've got some iodine tablets that I bring with me just in case, you know, worst case scenario, the filter goes bad. Right. I, I lose it, whatever. I've got some way to do it, but I, I, I've never, I'm not looking forward to that day when I have mm. to drink uh, iodine water. So no, no, I don't know. I, whatever, I guess, okay. uh, I guess, I guess I got used to it. Um, and then the following day, I remember I was, I think it was, um, I was walking up Mount Smarts, the one where after the day after I got lost. And I think it was there that I, I met the first, uh, southbound hiker. And, uh, so of course he stops, what's your trail name? I don't have one, blah, blah, blah. How are you doing? Ah, not really good. This is really tough. So the guy says, you know, can I just hold your pack for a moment? So he holds my pack and he says, like, no, no, dude, like, this is, this is way too heavy. Hold mine. Like, no, 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 you cannot be carrying this. You cannot be carrying just this from Maine to, I don't know where the hell you're going. You know, it's not. And, and he said, you know, do you, do you mind if I take a look at the stuff that you're carrying? So you can imagine the scene. It brings out this cotton towel. You don't need this. Um, three T-shirts. You don't need two of those. you know how it is pots i had like the the pot inside the pot inside the pots which is how they were sold back then you just need one and that helped me a lot because two days later i got um i slept at um this um trail angel's house and i dropped a lot of my gear there so uh trail magic right there that was a pack shakedown right there on the trail. <laughs> on the trail. <laughs> on the trail. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Very grateful to that guy. Okay. So once you solved the drinking problem and once you, <laughs> you did the pack shakedown and, and lighten your load a little bit, how, how, how was the rest of the hike? Did it meet your expectations at that point or, or was it still, still took some getting used to? Yeah. Um, then there was the getting lost and so on. Um, and then, and then the whites started and the whites are phenomenal. The whites are fantastic. The whites are, they're actually quite similar in many ways to the mountains here in, in Madrid. So there, there's obviously forest, but then you do get above tree line. So you get a lot of views, which is great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved, I, I loved the whites and, uh, It was tough because um, I was wearing boots, like I said, but even I was wearing leather boots. So I developed this very strong pain in my Achilles. 
and it wouldn't go away. It was, especially in the mornings when, you know, you're cold and the boots are cold. It was very painful. So I remember getting to the top of uh, Mount Washington early in the morning from the lakes of the cloud, hot. Um, I slept at this uh, hiker's little cabin called, I don't know if it's officially called, but people call it the dungeon. Okay. Yeah, lakes of the cloud is sort of a fancy mountain hut. And, you know, accordingly, it's a, it's a pricey place for backpackers, but they have this like this room that is cold and drafty and not especially comfortable, but at least, you know, you can stay for cheap in there. And then in that way, you can get to the summit early the next morning. But I remember it was so painful. I got to the summit. It was cold. It was foggy. And I, I remember calling my parents, collect, of course, and, and telling them, my mom or my dad, you know what, I'm getting off the trail. This is, this is too hard. It's too painful. And they're like, yeah, of course, whatever, go home, you know? Um, you call them from your smartphone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the good old uh, pay phones uh, that, that used to be everywhere. There are people, Trout, there are people listening to us right now, and you just said pay phones. They have no idea what, what we're talking about. What, what's a pay phone? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you guys had a pretty advanced uh, payphone system, much better than the ones we had in Europe. You could you could talk for very long for twenty five cents. And anyways, um, yeah, those were the days. So there was a payphone on the summit of Mount Washington, together with a bunch of other buildings and vending machines. And you know, there's a road that goes up, so it's actually quite civilized. It's it's weird because the climb. That's kind of che- that's, that's cheating. Mm-hmm. You, you can't you can't take the road up there. You can't drive up there and park and, and then walk to the you know to the top and say I did it. That that yeah. seems to be not not right. Yeah, there's also a train that goes up. Yeah, it feels a bit oh, weird train. because <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The train. <laughs> <laughs> the actual hike is is amazing. Um, there's so much elevation gain and uh, you're above tree line quite soon for um, uh, northeastern standards. So it takes a like, or back then it took us like a day and a half. And like I said, we slept at the lakes of the, what is it? Lake of, Lake of the cloud hut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it, that's it. It's a bit of a, um, of a letdown. You get to the summit and it's just like civilization and whatever, but it is convenient if you want to get off the trail, because I guess uh, you can hit your ride out. So, right. Or take the um, train. Or take the train. Yeah, but the train goes in sort of in a different direction. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I was actually going to get off the trail. But what saved me was that, um, uh, what were their names? Yeah, Snacks and uh, Tang. There were a couple hiking together. It was, um, I forget whose birthday the day after. So they said, you know what? We'll go with you. We want to take a zero. So we'll spend the night in... Um, Gorham, another Gorham, uh, New Hampshire is another trail town. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we'll slack back uh, this section. And I'm like, whatever, I'll go with you. And of course, the zero day or Nero in this case, I think we did Nero. Yeah, Nero day. Uh, it worked uh, wonders. And then the day after I, I uh, slack packed a section with another of the of the, um, with um, Boo Boo, with one of the members of the trail family, and it was great. So I, I just started getting better. And uh, yeah, stayed on the trail. It was great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Trout, I have to tell you that a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. 
having gone through that experience uh, with the with the water issue, boiling, having to boil water, and then figuring that out, and then uh, having that really heavy pack and having to you know, make that adjustment, and and having the foot pain uh, with the leather boots, they they might have finished those twenty three days and said, you know what, that 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 was an experience, but you know that's that's not for me. Uh, I'm not going to do that again. But but that was not you. You you signed up again to to do some more of these. Absolutely. It was uh, obviously not to be compared with spending four or five, six months on the trail. That must be really, you know, so transformational in so many ways. But even those 23 days, it was like, you know, I realized so many things about who I was and who I wanted to become or what I didn't. What's How shall I say it the other way around? What I didn't want to become, right? Like, just by the people I met, talking to different people, it was it was a big learning experience. So it was, and then just a, I don't know, it's hiking, it's great, it's addictive, it's I don't know, so many great things. Um, another interesting thing about backpacking, which I've realized, is that um, you're compared to day hikes, you are on the trail at different times. And sometimes I find that the best moments come in the afternoon and there's beautiful light or there's, and when you're a day hiker, you, tr- in general, you try to do things early in the morning. Right. So that's one of the things about also cool things about backpacking that you're on the trail. You cover the whole spectrum of uh, times and um, times of the day, basically. That's true. That's true. Huh? I mean, there are very few sites as gorgeous as maybe a sun setting over a lake and you usually don't get that experience as a day hiker and you could even hike the same trail uh and do it in 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 a different way and experience it in a a whole whole new way i mean just by hiking at different times of the day uh even you know we've talked to folks on here who've done some Mm -hmm. uh night hiking as as part of their their long trail experience and and that's a, a brand new experience as well absolutely yes Okay. So, so yeah, that was, that was, that was great. I wanted to, well, when I went back to Spain, I, um, I wanted to keep doing it. I wanted to try it out in Spain. It was, yeah, it's something that I wanted to get more of for sure. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your time on the the GR 11 (laughs) and your time in the, in the Pyrenees. Right. So this was the following summer. And, uh, this one I actually hiked with, uh, a friend uh, from Canada who uh, actually ended up becoming my girlfriend and then my, my wife and the mother of my kids. Right. Um, okay. Natalie was a very strong hiker, great person. And uh, so, um, so she had arrived in Europe and uh, actually in Spain, she had been in Europe for a while and she wanted to do some hiking in Spain. So I had another plan, uh, I think I wanted to do some volunteer work with some association, but that fell through. So I told her, you know what, I'll go with you. I'll go with you to the Pyrenees and we'll try this out. Um, Obviously I was interested after the AT, I was looking for similar routes in Spain and Europe in general. I love the Pyrenees since I went there um, age 15. So I, you know, we bought a guidebook and uh, about the GR 11 which runs from the Atlantic Ocean, from the coast in, um, on the Atlantic Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea. So it's kind of a sea to sea type of um, 
walk. Right. In fact, some people, it's not unheard of, some people pick up some water from one of the seas and take that bit of water and they drop it on the other side on the other ocean, in the other ocean. That sounds like added weight to me. I'm not sure I'd do that. that. I think it's not not ultralight for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But it has that symbolic uh, side to it of Mm -hmm. going from, from sea to sea. Um, so yeah, we started in this uh, coastal town in the in Spain, in the Basque Country region, Irun, and we started hiking. And uh, we wanted to do it kind of. A lot of people do these trails kind of Euro style, which means sleeping in refuges, hostels, mm, towns. We wanted to do it more of a, I would say more, let's call it American style, sleeping basically camping camping, cowboy camping, maybe using mm-hmm. the occasional the occasional cabin. We did sleep in uh, mountain huts occasionally. Yeah, and Natalie but, was Natalie was okay with that? Yeah, she did enjoy it quite a bit, yeah. That a girl. Okay. Uh, absolutely. And uh, so that was uh, that was really good. That was really good. Um, I don't know, great opportunities for also we did some peak bagging, a couple of major summits. Um, Pyrenees are a little bit like um, in terms of uh, scenery and landscape, not not so different from the from the Sierras, from oh, what nice. I see in the videos, they don't have that remote uh, wilderness experience. Like um, it's smaller, and the roads are closer to you. But in terms of the landscape and the terrain, and the, even the rock, we have a lot of granite in the Pyrenees. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks uh, quite a bit like that. Yes. Okay. And now, it really, yeah. Sorry. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that I really, 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 really strongly recommend everybody out there at some point in their lives to hike in the Pyrenees. It's it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. Uh, you've got me sold. I want to do that. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, let me know and uh, maybe I'll, I'll drive you there or, or uh, whatever. It's a great place to hike. And uh, one thing that is amazing is, is the cultural experience, right? Because there's uh, two countries and even within the countries there's there's very big cultural differences between the regions so the lang- some different languages are spoken the cuisine is is quite different um it's really diverse um geographically and culturally mm-hmm. now the cuisine you have different different types of freeze-dried meals for the trail depending <laughs> on which which region you're in <laughs> and uh, that, that was pretty homogeneous but um <laughs> unfortunately but i don't know whatever if you hit town or if you sleep at a at a mountain refuge got it um that kind of thing yeah okay. <laughs> now hiking for for you were out there for 23 days correct and there's that 23 again so you and natalie are out there for 23 days and i imagine that you know during the course of 23 days out on a on a on a hike there can be stressful situations that arise and uh, you can kind of get hangry or stressed Mm. or uh, how did how did the relationship uh fare on that 23 day hike did it did it hold up yeah it did it did i think i think yeah yeah i guess we were at the very early stages of the relationship and uh and uh you know how it is with hiking eh? you also uh there's there's different moments in the day sometimes you walk on your own at some distance from your partner and then yeah, it worked really well. And, and I guess, uh, 
yeah, and also she was, I guess she was kind of falling in love with with the Spanish, hopefully also with me, but with the Spanish culture of like getting to a town, you know, um, hitting a tapas bar, enjoying that side of things. And and the scenery is phenomenal, you know, so it's um, it worked out really well. And um, yeah, pretty, pretty memorable for sure. You sly devil. You take her out to that uh, beautiful landscape out there. She can't help but fall in love with you. Did she know your, <laughs> did she know your, your trail name was Trout at that point? No, I don't think I have uh, disclosed that uh, to uh, any of my <laughs> friends or acquaintances. <laughs> oh, secrets out now. Sorry. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. So, yeah. Any, any uh, memorable experiences from the, from that 23 days? Hmm. I don't think as many as on the AT. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think one thing that was cool was uh, um, at some at some point we we slept. Um, I think we camped, but we we camped really close to a mountain hut, a mountain refuge. So we actually had the meal there. We had dinner there, which is great because you have like a set menu, uh, you know, two course meal, dessert. So we talked to the, the caretaker there at the, at the refuge and he said, you know what you guys should do? Forget about the GR11 for a while, cross the border on this pass if you want. Oh yeah, because we asked him about this, this peak that we thought we could climb. Um, one of the tallest peaks in the Pyrenees that just requires uh, some scrambling, nothing too tough. So he said, you know what you should do? You should go on the French side and hike the following days on the GR10, on the French side, basically. The food is better and the, and, the, and the views are spectacular. So if you do that, you will actually enjoy some of the best sections of the whole Pyrenees. And that's what we did. So that was, that was a great tip. I know a lot of hikers are purists when it comes to trails and you know, do the GR11, I wanna do the GR11, but I don't know. I think the Pyrenees are a place where, unless you're going to do three trails, uh, you might as well, you know, do alternates, combine them, get in some summits, that type of thing. Yeah. That sounds like a pro tip as well. Don't be, yeah, don't be afraid to, to, you know, <laughs> venture off the set path and make some uh, on the fly adjustments to make sure you get, you get all the good stuff in. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Now, yeah, I want to go back to the States here for a second and talk about your plan to section hike the, the long trail in Vermont and kind of uh, you, you shared this story with me in, in mm-hmm. your original communication to me. And I think it's a, a, it's a good story. And mm, thank you. What, what interrupted your, your plans to section hike <laughs> the, the long trail in Vermont? Okay, so this was, um, this was in 2012. Now, by this time... Um, I had uh, two kids and uh, we were pretty much spending every one month, at least every summer in Montreal, because, you know, Natalie's Canadian and my kids are half Canadian. So we were spending the summer there. So anyways, we, uh, we went for a holiday in the whites. <clears throat> I think we rented an apartment somewhere and uh, we did different little day hikes and uh, yeah, swimming in lakes, that kind of stuff. Um, and I was really curious about going back to long distance hiking, even if it was just like some section hiking. 
of course, by then I knew about the Long Trail in Vermont. And uh, there was quite a few resources out there on the internet. I remember there was a website, I forget what it was, but it had pictures of all the shelters, which uh, I think it was um, some of your guests, um, was it uh, Ginger Balls and Scrapbook possibly? They talked mm-hmm. about the long trail. Right. The, the, the shelters are great. They're like cabins uh, with you know four walls and uh, bunk beds. Well, no mattress, but the actual structure. Anyway. So I had planned to, uh, so basically I asked my uh, then wife and mother-in-law to drop me at some trailhead. And I, I said, you know what, I'll just get back to Montreal. I'll, I'll hitch a ride or I'll take a bus. I'll, I'll find a way. Okay. So I kind of wanted to recover that sense of adventure that I had back in, in 2018. Ah. Not easy. <laughs> so, uh, so my plan was to hike for five days. So I had five days worth of food in my pack. And then, uh, you know, either leave the trail or resupply and keep hiking, depending on how it went. The only thing is that the northern part, the northern section of the long trail is tough, is rugged, and the weather often is unpredictable, rainy, and uh, it didn't go very well. Let's, uh, let's put it this way. So, um, so what happened was that, um, it's kind of a bit of a long story, so feel free to interrupt and- uh, I'm just ask. gonna, I'm gonna enjoy the ride. Okay. So anyways, so I slept uh, first evening. I think I just uh, checked it recently. I have to check the, the, the name places, the place names, because it's been a while, but I think it was Laura Woodward shelter. I spent the night there. Everything was going according to plan. Lots of hikers. So great to meet people and share stories. So then the day after we were hiking uh, southbound, everybody I met was hiking southbound and um, it was pouring rain. We summited Jay Peak which I knew because a lot of my friends in Montreal go there to ski. It's a ski resort. Um, and I kept walking, but for different reasons, um, I was on my own. Like some people left the trail because they were just doing a shorter section. Some people were walking really fast. Um, so I wanted to play it safe and stay at uh, this very specific um, shelter. Hazen Notch, I think it was. The problem is that it was like 3 p.m. It was raining. It was really grim and gray. And um, so whatever, I settle in. I, what am I going to do Like uh, from now to like uh, time to go to bed? I start reading the book that I had with me. Oh, man, this is no good. What am I going to do? So I said, you know what? I'm just going to keep hiking. And it was the second day on the trail. It was, uh, it had stopped raining at that moment. I was carrying a very heavy pack because this was before the ultralight. Um, even if you're not ultralight nowadays, you're, you're, more, you're more conscious of, you know, weight savings and stuff like that. Um, just to give you an example, because I checked yesterday out of curiosity, the pack I was carrying, which is really good quality, Arcteryx Bora 65, weighs in at uh, six pounds, eight, right? Three, three kilos. Yeah. Um, I just bought an Osprey pack that is about a third of the weight. 
and that was true for the rest of the gear. Same, ca- bag, same, same capacity. Pretty much. A, th- Osprey, a, th- a third of the weight. Yeah. Yeah. Osprey, it's the Exos. Mm-hmm. I haven't, yeah. I haven't tried it yet. Um, I mean, I've tried it just like to calculate my base weight or whatever out of just like for fun. Um, and uh, the the Exos is fifty eight liter, and the Arcteryx is sixty five. Right. Super sturdy, great quality, whatever, but very heavy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I kept hiking, and uh, and then I, I so I basically started this climb which was really 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 tough a really tough slippery rock a lot of ledges uh, rock slabs roots it's it's tough it's tough hiking out there it started raining i did get to the top of um i think it's called mount haystack i was trying to get to this place called tillotson camp but then at some point the terrain was not especially difficult but i slipped on some rocks and I fell on uh, it was just like some tall grass. It wasn't especially, I mean, I didn't really hurt myself on the face or, or anything like that, but I knew something was wrong because I, I felt something very strange um, in my ankle, basically my leg. <clears throat> now for me, it was hard to assess what was going on because I've never had any injury really. I, I, I've never had any injury before that. Um, not in the knee area, not in the ankle, whatever. So I thought, hmm, I wonder what's going on. Maybe I sprain my ankle. Anyway, so I tried to see what's going on, and I couldn't put any pressure on my foot. Hmm. Yeah, I was totally on my own. It was like five. So the chances of uh, seeing somebody else were very slim. So... Uh, Thank God I, I had a one-person tent with me. That was great. That was really great. And I think if you're going to go solo on pretty much any trail, carrying a tent is, even if you don't plan on using it that much. <clears throat> um, not only that, but ha- I had actually practiced pitching it like two nights, two, e- two, two afternoons before in my mother-in-law's yard. Uh-huh. So I was pitching the tent, like, you know, hopping, one-legged, and uh, so I managed to do it somehow, but I had to do it right on the trip. Of course, forget about hanging the food from some tree. That was impossible. And I basically, I had water. I had a liter of water. And uh, yeah, I, I, I went in the, in the tent and, and tried to get some sleep, basically. And? And there... Um, Interesting things happened. Um, I've actually written what I shared with you as kind of a kind of a longish account of all this of all this uh, mental process. Um, I published it in my in my blog. Um, <clears throat> there was this this mental game that that kicked in, right? Because it's the it was a kind of moment where I was I was in the I was in the tent. I was warm. I had water. I had food. It was it was not the end of the world, but I was. I was thinking, hmm, I wonder, is anybody gonna show up tomorrow? Am I gonna see anybody? I didn't have a cell phone. Believe it or not, back in those days, there was a very heated debate in uh, forums on whether you should take a cell phone 
on these trails or whether it was taking too much away from the experience, believe it or not. Well, you might remember that. The purists again, (laughs) there they are. Exactly. Exactly. The purists. But even for me, it wasn't simple because I would have had to buy like an American. I don't think my phone was ready for an American SIM card. Things were not easy. So I just said, you know, I'll be. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an accurate statement. Things were not easy back then. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, not as easy as now. At any rate, right? Uh, so anyways, so uh, one thing I learned from that experience is that um, this is going to sound a little bit strange, but um, somehow we are designed to survive and keep going. So like in those kind of dire circumstances, something gets activated and, and very naturally you take care of the essentials. And as long as you stay focused on the task, I think, I think the chances of doing okay are are high. The only problem is when you start kind of fast forwarding and considering different scenarios. So I did some numbers in my head. I'm like, you see, I'm kind of the rational guy. I'm like, well, there's three options. Option A, some northbound hikers come from Tillotson camp, in which case they'll find me and they have to find me because right, I'm right on the trail. <laughs> they'll find me at 10 a.m., more or less. Maybe nine, maybe 11. Okay, uh, plan B, there's nobody hiking northbound that day, but there's somebody hiking southbound. Well, in that case, it'll be the afternoon, right? Now, the problem is when you start thinking of, of, about the next step and the next step or the next stage is now, what if those folks have no cell phone? It's gonna take them an extra four hours to get to the road. And that makes it another night. And now my liter of water is not that much, not, not a lot of water any longer, right? Um, and then how long is, the, is it going to take the rescue team to get up to where I am? You know what I'm saying? Like when you, when you start anticipating things, then, then uh, yeah, you start feeling anxious. And so you got to stop yourself. Like, okay, we'll just see what happens. We'll take it a step at a time. And the next step is waiting for somebody to show up, staying warm, staying hydrated. And yeah, so. I, I can't wait to hear how this story turned out and see if you survive. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> right here, spoiler alert. Um, things that were, so basically this couple from, were college students from, uh, some university in Vermont, uh, northbound hikers. They actually showed up. At, yeah, that's it. At around ten. And were they purists? Uh, were they purists with no cell phones, or did they have a cell phone? No, they had a cell phone. Oh, yes. thank goodness for non-purists. <laughs> uh, not only that, but the signal was shaky. But but they 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 did get enough a signal that they could call nine one one and 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 of course for me. It was everything was kind of interesting because 911. I'd only heard of it like in movies, so like, oh yeah, here we're calling 911. Yeah, <laughs> but it's for me, I guess. But they were they were they were great, and uh, they they cooked a hot soup for me. I gave them some of my food supplies. I um, say so, you know take them, and they were like, yeah, yeah, it's really gonna help because we're kind of short on food. So they called, and uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but in in um, in Europe the most common thing would have been for a helicopter to show up. 
that's pretty standard, whatever, fine. I guess in a way I'm glad it didn't because I don't know how the hell I would have paid for it. But <laughs> but it ended up being um, <clears throat> like two hours later or no, see, two or three hours later, um, somebody showed up, the doctor actually. And then a bunch of uh, volunteer firefighters not in the best of hiking shapes, but they got up there. It took them long, but they got up there. So they started showing up and they were bringing a, a weird, um, <clears throat> very large uh, stretcher with a wheel. <laughs> kind of a wheel that could be, yeah, it could be either tucked in or, or, or extended so that, you know, it, it would be easy to, or easier to carry. Sounds like a modified wheelbarrow. It was a little bit like that, yes. Okay. Now, the problem was that <clears throat> the terrain was super gnarly. Um, very, yeah, gnarly is the word. Gnarly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, was, it was hard. It was very tough uh, terrain. And uh, most of, many times, it's like they couldn't actually carry me on this. You know, I was tied to the stretcher. Um, well, the doc, he, he run a couple of basic tests and he said, no, this, this you know, this ain't no uh, sprained ankle. This is, this is something more significant. Did he say so it like he, that? Did he say it like that? This, this ain't no sprained ankle. No, no. This is like now my, uh, my retelling of the story. <laughs> but he said, this I, is- I was thinking he was he kind of a backwoods, uh, backwoods doctor. That's, that's just the way he talked. <laughs> Very good. I don't remember how he talked, but, <laughs> but, but I do remember that he used this like, um, what looked like a transparent plastic bag basically immobilized um okay. my ankle by like a, a sucking like an, an air cast of some sort exactly yeah exactly got it. Okay. sucking the air out of it and he had to do that a couple of times mm-hmm. anyways um this this whole thing of uh, getting me out of there took 10 hours oh 10 hours it was really long because every time there was some sort of um a ledge or some steep section of the trail they had to set up a pulley using some tree. I mean, I didn't get to see that because I only got to see the sky and the, and the trees. Um, but I knew something weird was going on. And I was like praying that whatever system they were um, putting into place would work. And I wouldn't end up just like sliding down some cliff. It was, it was long. <clears throat> it was long. And um so these were, I really want to give credit to these folks. These were firefighters from um, Jay, the towns of Jay, I think it was Troy and uh, Noel in Vermont. And uh, yeah, they were basically working as volunteers. And um, every hour more people would show up. <laughs> so by the end of the day, yeah, no, no, it was, it, it, in my blog, I described it like some sort of religious pilgrimage in India, you know, where like they're taking somebody to the, to the river bank of the Ganges river. It, it was really, it was, it sounds it was, like, it sounds like a spectacle trout. I mean, it, it sounds like it just kind of, it's a movement. It, it grew as, as it kept on going. <laughs> yeah, it did grow. It did grow. By the end of it, it was like 20, 20 people walking around me. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but 10 hours, 10 hours is a long time. Right. Cause yeah. Cause other people would show up to bring snacks, more volunteers. It was like an, a big event in the community. And, uh, so eventually it got dark. It started raining again, of course. And we got to the, 
an easier trail and eventually to the road and a, a trailhead or a parking lot. And, uh, and then guess what? The press was actually there, the local press. So they took photos of me and the firefighters were like kind of hiding me so that the press wouldn't take a good shot. And eventually they wrote a story about this in the, in the local newspaper. This was a big event in, in the, yeah. uh, the small, those small towns. This is, this is uh, <laughs> big news. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it was a big event. So, and uh, that's my story. That's my story to tell. Um, what a story. That is fantastic. My, sto- my story to tell. It's, it's kind of interesting because in my family, um, this is known jokingly as the bear story. Although there never was any bear at least that I saw or can remember. I think it was the idea that, you know, when I was, um, I was spending the night there at this place on, in, in my tent, whenever I would hear some noise, of course, I would, I would speak out and say, hi there, what's going on? I was actually more scared of moose than I was of bears because I thought that they could maybe step on me, you know? How, um, bears, whatever, come take my food. I, I put the food outside the tent and, and I had read back then at least um, the bears in Vermont were hadn't, I don't know now, but supposedly they hadn't made the connection of uh, human beings, meaning food for me. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was confident that, but, uh, but of course, you know, everybody loves bear stories. And in my family, it was like, wow, wow, bears. And uh, so they kept calling it the bear story. So now it's like the bear story. <laughs> That's fantastic. The bear story with no bear. With it, no bear. It becomes no a pilgrimage bear. down the mountain that uh, exactly. just grows in size as it goes. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> fantastic. Well, what is next for Trout? What's the next adventure for you? Okay, so um, let's see. For different reasons, um, having young children, I have, I guess I have specialized in, uh, in outdoors, outdoor adventures that you can do in a day or kind of shorter stuff like uh, trail running. Mm-hmm. Ski, mount, ski mountaineering is something that I really enjoy. Uh, I think some of your guests have talked about it. So basically mm-hmm. skinning up a mountain and then skiing down. That's a lot of fun. Um, one thing that I'm, I started doing this past uh, Christmas holiday as a project is to hike around, hike on the coastline of the island of uh, Ibiza, which is a kind of a world famous um, mm-hmm. island that we have in Spain, uh, mm-hmm. especially known for clubbing and uh, summer holiday resorts. But it's actually a very nice island. And if you go off season, um, there's great hiking there. So uh, there's nine, it's, there's no official trail, but uh, some people have actually connected the different coves and beaches and cliffs. Um, it's around nine stages and I already hiked three of them. So okay. my plan is to try to complete that before, before the tourist uh, season begins in, in May. I, I imagine it's got to be pretty beautiful oh, it is. doing that it coastline is. trail. Oh, it is. It's, 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 it's fantastic. I really, really enjoy it. And I'm really spoiled because um, um, my girlfriend is actually from Ibiza. So uh, she, mm-hmm. her family owns an apartment there. So we can actually stay there. And she has relatives who are willing to come uh, shuttle us, pick us up, drive us to our rental car. It's super easy. It can't, can't be easier. Perfect. And it's, it's stunning. It's beautiful. 
Fantastic. You're going to have to share some pictures with us so we can, uh, we can post those on. Absolutely. On yeah. I have some really nice ones. Yeah. Okay. And like I said before, the other plan is to, um, to do some backpacking with my children in the summer. Mm-hmm. And eventually this is a bit of a long shot, but I do, I do want to go to, to America and, uh, and do some backpacking. Um, because I've been listening to so many, I don't know, watching so many videos on YouTube and, uh, listening to so many podcasts, especially this one that, uh, yeah, I want to go back and, and give it a shot for sure. You'll have to come out and do the John Muir trail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely, to be honest with you, I was, um, um, I stopped thinking about it after going through this whole, uh, the whole permitting thing, which we're not used to here in in Europe, mm-hmm. but then uh, actually your, your, your answer to my email gave me some ideas and it, it, it does make sense. I will, I will aim for the whole thing, but if I cannot do the whole uh, John Muir trail in the same year, then maybe I'll, I'll aim for half of it and then combine it with some local travel, uh, visit some cities in California, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to never been out there. So yeah, so it'll be, it'll be great. Well, you have to give me a heads up before you come. We can, we can plan some stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Would love to. Okay. Absolutely. Hey, Trout, you know where we are? Um, I'd like to say that I don't, but <laughs> I think I do. We are at that point in the episode where I ask you for your pro tip inside of the week. What, what bit of trail wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Okay, I'm going to give a, a couple of very specific tips for listeners who want to transition from hiking to more perhaps uh, mountaineering, okay? Um, right, so one of them is, um, is actually, it has to do with uh, using an ice axe, which I know that uh, a lot of people use or many people use when on the PCT, or even when on the CDT in the San Juans or, or um, areas that get more precipitation or just because it's uh, May or June, there's a lot of snow, mm-hmm. uh, snow precipitation, I mean. Um, so one thing is, uh, I think it pays off to get some training or at least try to practice uh, self-arresting. It's, uh, you know, ice axes are cool and uh, they're great and you look like a pro when you're carrying them in your pack, but you got to know how to use it. And it's not that easy. You got to practice. Okay. Um, and related to that, related to that, I would say, um, this is going to sound silly, but always, 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 always wear gloves when, um, when using an ice axe, even if it's warm, it happened to me once in the Pyrenees that I started, um, sliding, like glissading down, um, uh, a patch of snow because mm-hmm. it's fun and whatever, but I lost control. I was doing it with my ice axe. So if you know how to do it, it's quite safe. Now, the problem is I wasn't wearing gloves because it was warm. And as soon as your hands, the combination of the metal, the snow and your hands, it's like it burns your hands and you let go of the ice axe. And then you're lost. And I, I, I almost had a pretty severe crash um, on, 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 um, on a talus field, on boulders, because of that. So it's really silly, but do wear gloves whenever, if you're, if you're using an ice axe, you need gloves to go along with it. Excellent advice. That's a great pro tip. Very specific, but I hope. <laughs> Highly specific, but very it good. It can help. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very good. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Trout. want to thank him for joining us this week. Trout, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Okay. Um, I have a, a blog. Um, the, um, the handle is uh, uh, bsidetravels.com. Um, I started this a few years ago when uh, I took to um, international travel. So uh, I spent quite a bit of time in um, Southeast Asia, different places. So I started writing stories, not so much the go here, see that, stay at this hotel, but more just like sharing stories, most of them real, sometimes slightly modified, kind of like travel, travel literature, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, come COVID and uh, hmm, it's kind of hard to write about travel. At the beginning, you write about local travel because <laughs> anything is travel after lockdown, right? After being for a month and a half without being able to leave your town. Um, then everything feels different and exotic, but there's limits to that. So what I've done with a, with a, with a blog is basically to start writing more about uh, mountains and about the outdoors. So uh, I've published uh, different things on, on the mountains in Spain, on my uh, Ibiza hike that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And uh, B-Side Travels is also my handle on Instagram. Okay. So if anybody wants to get in touch or hit me up, or if, 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 if you need ideas on uh, travel or hiking in Spain or Europe, uh, I've been to a lot of countries in Europe, hiked in the Alps pretty extensively. I'm, I'm really happy to, you know, for people to get in touch and uh, um, yeah, would love to share stories or if anybody is um, planning on coming here we- probably could make arrangements to meet yeah okay and spell that that. for us spell that for us b-side travels yeah um b-side as in like you know uh, in um vinyl records where you have an a-side and a b-side so it's the b-side of travels as in it's not about the most uh, flashy mm, stereotypical destinations it's it's a little bit about the the b-sides Got it. The place, the places where less, fewer people go. That was the original intent. Clever. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's uh, definitely. <laughs> Excuse me. We'll be, we'll be happy if um, um, to get messages or people liking or following for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Trout, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, some kind of uh, adventure media to keep our listeners connected to the trail. We're calling this our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? Okay, I have to say that um, I've actually used um, used this section of the pod um, to get a lot of input actually for myself. So, for example, I, I read the Eric Bland book. Um I forgot to say it before, but that was one of my favorite episodes. The, yeah. The Eric Blam was phenomenal. I yeah. love that episode. Oh, love thank that you. Episode. Yeah. He was, he was yeah. really interesting to talk to him. What a story mm-hmm. that is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Randy, Randy Morganson, right. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a book that I find very inspiring. It's actually uh, written from um, a North American perspective, more than a European perspective. And it's called uh, mountaineering, the freedom of the hills. It's 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 dubbed it's been dubbed as like the bible of mountaineering. 
and it's um it's it's been published in uh, i think it's seven i don't know how many editions nine editions the latest is from 2017 um i don't know it's uh i know that nowadays we get most of our information from you know youtube and uh, social media blogs and everything websites but sometimes it's nice to have a book that covers everything from uh, scrambling orientation um camping in the winter training it's nice if you're into the mountains and it's 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 i find that it's written with a, a lot of uh passion. It's published by the Mountaineers, which I don't know exactly what it is. I think it's some sort of a club. They organize courses. And mm -hmm. so it has a collective um, authorship, but that's uh, okay. That's it's called Mountaineering, the freedom of the hills. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty well known in the sort of more um, alpinist slash uh, mountaineering community. Okay. Well, that's a wrap from the John Freakamir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family trout? Um, yeah, shout out to my, um, my uh, group of um, ski mountaineers and uh, friends here in Madrid. Uh, we're actually planning some outing soon, a couple of days, maybe four days in the Pyrenees. Um, I also have a group of um, friends from in Canada. We always do outdoor oriented stuff whenever we manage to get together, which isn't very often. Mm -hmm. Canoe camping, hiking. So shout out to them too, for sure. Um, and then um, some people I've mentioned, my kids, um, um, Natalie, my ex-wife, and my girlfriend, Carmen, who's been very supportive with all of my adventures these days. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've had to boil your water shake down your pack and you think you need a payphone. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>